New on Curiosity Stream, how do you connect a 16th century potato to limitless energy production? Could Napoleon's toothpick have a direct link to a machine that predicts the future? And how can a 1700s conch shell chart a course to humans connecting their brains to the internet? James Burke's visionary series, Connections, returns for a new generation. Experience all new Connections. With monthly, annual, and bundled plans, find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com. New on CuriosityStream. I'm James Burke. I'm going to take you on a journey through time. James Burke's visionary series returns, reimagined for our time. Now, this is all uncharted territory. The Washington Post hails Burke as one of the most intriguing minds in the Western world. The New York Times raves he careens from one great moment in history to another. Where do we want to go from here? Experience all new connections. So what's the next connection? With monthly, annual, and bundled plans, find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com. Welcome to the Oslo UFC DFS Strategy Show. Of course, right here at Osmo.com. We are back a week off to recharge the batteries. Of course, as always, joined by the fighter Pete Rogers Jr., who, you know, if you follow Pete on Twitter, first off, you, you might have seen Pete throwing a, throwing a little nugget out there today, Pete. Uh, you know, I, I saw that tweet. I did the little like, oh, really? <laughs> What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us. Uh, yeah, I might have some fight news coming up soon, which is uh, pretty awesome. I mean, Feels like it's a long time coming and, uh, you know, a promotion contacted me. So I'm excited. Yes. Well, we'll be looking forward to that news and uh, when we can announce it here, right here on awesome.com. But of course, so uh, we've got uh, a week off, Pete, man. What'd you, what'd you do on your weekend off? I, I went out of town. I was over in Orlando. I enjoyed a, a few adult cocktails, but, uh, I noticed I did see, uh, you opened up some of them UFC trading cards or are we, are we in the, uh, are we making some money on these UFC trading cards? I don't know if I'm making any money yet, but uh, I, I'm attempting to, and I'm getting into the UFC tr uh, trading cards, especially the the prisms. I know that the uh, other set is coming out for the UFC, but uh, you know I'm trying to get my hands on some hobby boxes and some blasters and all that. But uh, it, you know it's fun; it's a nice little hobby. Um, and I, I want to pull a Habib or a Connor or something, or maybe a Hamzat Shemaev, somebody that's going to uh, be an excellent sell. And uh, I don't know. It's just a cool hobby to get into. And uh, a lot of my friends are flipping cards left and right. So I figured, why not? But of course, uh, we're here to talk UFC Vegas number 28. I think overall, you just say not the sexiest of cards on paper. Yeah, no, not at all. Not at all, Jason. I mean, like we're back after one week absence and uh, we have this card to deal with. It's it's you know, it's OK, especially for being a. Uh, you know, a fight night essentially. And, uh, I'm okay with it, but the main event is, is kind of underwhelming. Um, there are some interesting fights on the card. You and I talked about before how we're really looking forward to the Miguel Baeza Santiago Ponzinibbio fight outside of that fight. There's like a few fights that are, you know, kind of on my radar of, of like intrigue, but I mean, it's a relatively underwhelming card, but sometimes these cards pop and especially with 14 fights, let's hope that we, you know, we keep all the fights and we're not strapped to 10 or less. Yeah. A lot of opportunities. We did see uh, one fight change earlier on in this week where Maria Moroz off the fight car, stepping in Tabitha Ricci, no DFS pricing. So we'll kind of see where, where that is at, but she is a, a massive betting underdog, which should not be surprised. And uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about her strength of schedule later on when we get to that matchup. Of course, uh, if there's ever a time you do miss the show, you can check it out. A part of the awesome podcast network. Be sure to leave a five-star rating 
and review with your Twitter handle. Also, username included will be entered to win a free month of Also Plus Platinum. One winner will be awarded every Friday. Reviews are eligible to win up for one year and of course this is your best chance to win a free month of awesome plus as you are be competing against less people in the contest and any other giveaway we run so make sure to leave a five-star review we got a podcast for every sport and we're available on every major podcasting platform so head over to awesome.com slash podcast and to be sure to leave us that five-star review on that awesome mma handle maybe whether you listen to us maybe on apple Podcasts, spotify or whatever it may be. But Pete, let's get right into this main event. Jarzino Rosenstruck taking on Augusto Sakai, your favorite pricing of the week. <laughs> 8200 for Rosenstruck, 8000 for Sakai. Over on FanDuel, $19.17 respectively. Uh, when you look at, at both of these men, pretty much, uh, you know, the reach is, is essentially the same. Rosenstruck does have that one one inch reach advantage. You know, for me, the concern with Rosenstruck is he's just not a volume puncher. And, and so you're, and, and we were talking about this before the show of, because of the price point, especially on DraftKings, this fight is so intriguing, but you are kind of making a point to me that maybe you don't have to prioritize this fight because of the fighting styles here. Yeah, you know, the fighting styles kind of make me a little hesitant about rostering this fight. Understand that the 8,200, 8,000, fight is always difficult to get away from. But I think that this week you can, you know, get away from it in some of your lineups. I don't really feel like I need to prioritize this fight. Um, you know, the volume of Jerzinho Rosenstruck is extremely underwhelming, uh, almost non-existent at times, uh, extremely hesitant, um, you know, even before getting knocked out from uh, Francis Ngannou. There's just moments of, of inactivity. And inactivity over a five-round five fight, doesn't really materialize into a great DFS score. Now, um, Augusto Sakai definitely has the volume advantage in the fight. I mean, if you're looking at the the strike totals, 5.32 significant strikes um, per minute, whereas Rosenstruck has 3.14. Obviously, like, you know, Sakai should have the edge in the volume, but I feel like both of these guys are going to be somewhat tentative at times, and it could be a staring contest. Um, Augusto Sakai, when he goes, he puts together decent combinations uh, the, the power is definitely in Rosenstruck's favor. But for me, Jason, like, I don't know. I, I wish that these guys had takedowns in their back pocket because, um, you know, maybe somebody could, you know, change levels and make this fight a little bit interesting. I think if I'd have to bank on anybody doing that, it would be Augusto Sakai maybe mixing in a takedown or two. He has, he has landed some takedowns in the UFC, uh, whereas uh, Rosenstruck hasn't. So, um, you know, it's a fight for me that I will have exposure to, but I'm not really expecting much. And especially with 14 fights on the card, I feel like it's okay to get away from. Obviously, you, you think about, you know, heavyweight fights in general. You want to have exposure. But we have a guy with low volume, crazy power, and tentative tendencies against Augusto Sakai, who, uh, you know, in his matchup against uh, Andre Arlovsky, you think like, okay, like, you know, he's always been a volume guy. Well, not so much because in the fight against Andre Olofsky, he only landed 42 significant strikes and, uh, you know, still received a split decision victory. So I'm kind of like tempering expectations for the matchup. I, I feel like I still like Rosenstruck in the matchup, but uh, I don't know. I, I'll probably pick some other fights and prioritize other ones. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I just think what, what concerns me about Rosenstruck in this one is, is what happens if Sakai can can make this a fight primarily against the fence, a, a clinch-type fight. Can he potentially get his takedown? We haven't seen a takedown from him in his past couple of fights. We saw it early on uh, when he came in, into the UFC. But, yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's not a fight that, you know, I mean, I think more times every week we'll sit back here and say, hey, let's – we want to have you know a you know good amount of exposure on the main event. We might sit there and say, "Hey, our lineups are going to have eighty percent on the main event." I, I don't see that in this week. I mean, I mean, look, we we have ma- we have heavyweight matchups in the main event and co-main event, so you're naturally, I think, people are going to look there because you know I, I don't I don't look at either. I, I definitely don't look at the main event as something where I think a a knockout in 60 seconds is going to happen just because of, you know, just how Rosenstruck is. So, uh, but I'll, I'll probably, I would bet that I'll probably be in the neighborhood of 45% exposure on the main event. Yeah. I, th- I think naturally the 8,200, 8,000 fights just get a, a slight bump. Um, but, you know, if you don't think that this fight is going to be finished and you think it's going to go the distance, can these guys score over 95 points? Now, obviously, at their price range, 95 points would be excellent. Um, but there are 13 other fights that could come through for us. And if any of those 13 other fights, if uh, six of them come through with 100 you know, plus points, then you could have a situation where the main event's not, not a part of the optimal. But uh, I understand what you're saying 100%. Of course, uh, be sure to uh, follow also right here on YouTube. We got a ton of great shows for you each and every day. Of course, uh, be sure to hit that notification bell so you know right when a show is live here on the channel. Of course, be sure to use the promo code MMA Strategy Show. When you check out for a Awesomeo Plus membership, as you'll get 15% off your first week of Awesomeo Plus Platinum, that's MMA Strategy Show, all caps, one word, for 15% off your first week of Awesomeo Plus. If you are a new member, you see it right there on the screen, a great little deal that we've got going on right over at Awesomeo.com. And, of course, uh, those tools that I use each and every week in developing my MMA lines, my NBA lineups. I uh, haven't done much MLB this season. I don't know if you, you've got much in MLB. To me, it's it's primarily been NBA and MMA. So uh, that top fighter tool is a great tool to use. And, of course, I, I will mention the MMA top fighter uh, is a free premium content. So you got to check out that. And uh, that gives you a little insight of what you get here when he gets behind the paywall. So uh, be sure to, if you're not subscribed to YouTube, subscribe to the channel because we've got a lot of great programming for you. Of course, mention the co-main events, also a heavyweight matchup. Walt Harris taking on Marcin Tybura. Marcin Tybura, 8,700 on DraftKings, 7,500 for Walt Harris. Marcin Tybura, a minus 175 betting favorite in this one. Um, I mean, look, I, I think that if you tell me, Marcin Deborah, he's he would win. I believe he would win this matchup a majority of the times. However, what concerns me if I'm going to be a Marcin Tibera backer in this one is the first round. Because if Walt Harris is going to win, you know it's likely to come by knockout in the first round. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that this is a uh, a nice fight to target either side. I think that it's going to be pivotal for a lot of GPP lineups um, in order to take down the optimal. And I do think that... Uh, Martin Tybora is in an excellent spot here. I mean, it's known that Walt Harris doesn't really have the best grappling or wrestling. And uh, Walt Harris just seems to be in a spot where he's taking, uh, taking on difficult matchups. And uh, I don't know if it's a, a manager's decision or a personal decision to climb the ladder and try to prove it to himself, but there are plenty of other fights 
that Walt Harris could be taking. And uh, I, I'm not really big on this matchup for him. I think that uh, uh, Martin Zibora can, you know, he's looked great as of late, you know, putting together four victories, Sergey Spivak, uh, Maxim Grishin, Ben Rothwell, and Greg Hardy. And throughout that time, we've seen good striking, uh, good volume for the heavyweight division, good pressure against the cage, good takedowns. He has excellent grappling. And I, I think he needs to go to that well early against Walt Harris. Now, Walt Harris in totality is 13 and nine overall. Um, he's a really, you know, he's a round one guy. And you even saw that in the Overeem fight, like he's extremely dangerous. But if you are able to turn the tide and put him in his disadvantage, you know, positions where he's not so good, I, I think that Marcin Tabor can have a breakout performance here. Um, I, I don't, I'm, I'm saying breakout performance in regards to the slate. I think at 8,700, I think it's a heck of a bargain. Walt Harris does need to be a part of your uh, underdog pool because of that round one threat, but it's uh Tybora for me and I like him quite a bit. Yeah. And he's gone that takedown route throughout his UFC run. And I truly do feel that's gotta be uh, Walt Harris has been training in Vegas leading up to this one. I know uh, his head coach, Chris Conley has been out there with him as well. Uh, you know, to me, this is a matchup that, if you're going to be a Walt Harris backer, your concern is what happens if the fight gets out of the first round. You mentioned about the matchups. I'll uh, I'll label it out to you. When you're making the kind of money Walt Harris is making, you don't get those uh, outside top 15 matchups. Yeah, I mean, but even it's inside the top 15, right? Like he doesn't need to be facing grappler after grappler. Uh, you know, the Volkov fight that's that wasn't one, but uh, you know, I, I think like pairing Walt Harris against guys that can take him down. Like even if we go back and we look. Sergey Spivak came in on his debut and he actually put away Sergey Spivak. Then Alexei Olenek. What's Alexei Olenek good at? Just grappling. Overeem's got excellent wrestling for the heavyweight division. And now he's facing Marcin Tybora. So, like, I, yeah, man. Yeah, you know, the UFC has to get some bang for their buck, especially if they're paying you a lot. And, uh, man, I, I don't know. Walt Harris just really needs to patch some holes. And perhaps this is the matchup that he can really prove us all wrong. You know, look, I think that if you do think that Walt can stop the takedowns uh, over on FanDuel at $14, he could be an interesting play for you there. $17 for Tybura, so I think that's a, that's a good value over there if you want to play Tybura, but I, I agree with you. I think this is a fight that you kind of have to circle and look at because I think uh, I think it's a very good chance that the winner of this fight will be in the optimal line. Move on to the next matchup. We've got Roman DeLizze taking on Loriano Staropoli. Staropoli, 7,800 over on DraftKings, 8,400 for DeLizze. 16 and 14 respectively over on FanDuel. Uh, I was uh, seeing a, an article earlier today on Star Poli talking about, uh, you know, being a training partner of Charles Oliver and the, the motivation that that has uh, been for him, you know, since uh, Charles Oliver became the champion. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing when you see teammates succeed, right? I would like it a lot more if they were closer in weight, like, uh, you know, they're really not too close in weight. So, when I hear like he's been, you know, he trains a lot with Charles Oliveira, like obviously that's going to help his ground game for sure. And he's going to be able to uh, have decent submission defense, especially when you're dealing with Oliveira's grappling on a day-to-day -day basis. But I mean, Staropoli, this, this fight, you know, you have Delizze coming down, you know, his second matchup at, at middleweight and Staropoli's at middleweight. So it's like, man, there's such a gap in the weight classes I don't know who else he's training with. And I, I do like Staropoli's promise. I think that he has good hands and uh, a, a strong ability to get back to his feet. But he has been taken down several times in the octagon. And now you're talking about facing a guy who has, 
you know, a high pedigree of grappling in his back pocket if he can use it and not be an idiot because fight IQ is a problem for Roman Delidze. It really is. Um, you know, it's like he's too cocky in the cage where he's showing off, trying to call his shots. Um, and, uh, you know, he does have some, some power, but I think like from a volume perspective, he will be a step behind Lor- uh, Loriano Staropoli. Like I, I think Staropoli could light him up like a Christmas tree uh, if it's on the feet. And I think that Delizze will really have to resort to takedowns in order to win this matchup. But I still think that the physicality of Delizze is what's going to get it done. Like Star Poli needs to be a part of your, your underdog pool. I think that he's extremely interesting given his price. I don't think that he knocks him out, but I think that he could pull off a, a decision. But Delizze should be able to overpower him here. I'm going to uh, bring up uh, some stats for you here. Roman DeLizze in his last fight against Trevin Giles, 75 total strikes landed, Mm -hmm. 32 significant strikes landed in the fight before that. By the way, that was a three-round fight. Uh, His fight against John Allen was also a three-round fight, 48 total strikes, or excuse me, uh, 118 total strikes, 51 significant strikes. Now, you did have four minutes and seven minutes of control time. I guess the question is, is, you know, if this thing goes, does go 15 minutes, I mean, how many takedowns do we need out of Roman Delidze to be optimal? Well, we, we do know that, like, Loriana Staropoli is good at getting back to his feet, which could inflate Roman Delidze's numbers, right? Like, we, we do understand that, you know, Roman could have to resort to getting three-plus takedowns throughout the bout in order to really pay off. And uh, I think that's definitely possible. Um, one around is always something that you want. Um, 8,400, it's not like he has to really – you know, go crazy. I, I think that as long as he can get you 90 plus points, um, you, you think about his performance against John Allen, 51 significant strikes, three takedowns, seven minutes of control time scored 92 fantasy points. You get that at 8,400. I think you'd be decently satisfied, but I think that there's much more upside there because I think that a finish could happen because of how slick he is on the mat. Um, you know, and, and now you think of like star Poli is really a, uh, He's going he's gonna to be somewhat undersized in this matchup, and I think that Delidze, you know, can definitely exploit that here. But, I mean, the trust for Delidze is, is gone. Like, he, he's kind of like on my don't trust list because of how, how much he plays with his food in the octagon, and it's quite irritating, especially whether you have him in a part of your DFS lineups or if you have money on him. Of course, uh, if you want to get uh, the premium tools and content we have over at awesome.com got time for that awesome plus weekly pass 2995 gives you access to all the great premium tools and content that we use on a daily basis coming from the number one dfs player in the world alex awesome baker of course if you just want a awesome plus weekly pass you can get that for 895 also uh, if you want to get a peek what's behind the paywall today in terms of free content mma top fighters is free up there also nba player projections up there if you look to do some late swaps into that laker and sun game so if you want to get a little peek of what you can get behind the paywall checking out our free content every day is a great way to see that of course sign up for an also plus weekly pass 29.95 and that also plus weekly pass is 8.95 of course also you get uh, our our pro plays part of the MMA package, which is uh, something I do after every time me and Pete do these shows, because sometimes Pete can sway me. Sometimes I can, I can persuade Pete in terms of, but uh, this is, in, this is an interesting one, but to me, Pete, the best fight on this card 
Santiago Ponzinibbio against Miguel Baeza. And, you know, this is, this is like old school UFC matchmaking right here. You've got the guy who's been around for a while and then you got the up and comer in Miguel Baeza. Here's, here's my concern on the Santiago aspect of this is how do you bounce back after that comeback? You know, he had the layoff unsuccessful in that return, but then you got Miguel Baeza on the other one where Pete, this is a draft. I, I mean, this is a huge step up in competition for him. I mean, look, you know, yeah, he's coming off that win against Matt Brown, but it's Matt Brown of 2021, not the Matt Brown of 2014. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a fair point, and uh, I'm excited for this matchup. Um, Miguel Baez is a guy I've been following on social for quite some time. Uh, I follow his boxing coach as well. I think that he has so much promise within the division, and I think that he possesses some strong boxing and some uh, some sneaky jujitsu that a lot of people aren't really you know, aware of, um, you know, and, uh, you know, he, he's shown us in his previous performance of how he can get the fights done. Um, and I think that he's just a complete fighter right now. Whereas, you know, Santiago Ponzinibbio. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Has the, you know, the experience edge a an extreme experience edge. 31 professional fights for Santiago Ponzinibbio, 27 and 4. So I mean, is Miguel Baeza the guy to give Ponzinibbio his fifth professional loss? Uh, you know, pa- uh, Miguel Baeza is only 10-0, and 0, so he's pretty green in regards to Ponzinibbio's experience. But I do think that the skills are there. And in Ponzinibbio's previous performance, he didn't really look like himself. He looked like a shell of, of his former self against uh, Li Jingliang, um, ended up getting knocked out pretty, pretty bad. Um, but up until that point, like, he was on such a roll. So, uh, you know, he knocked out Court McGee, uh, went over Zach Cummings, Nordin Taleb, knockout over Gunnar Nelson, Mike Perry, and then a knockout over Neil Magny. So, I mean, the guy's been through the ringer and proved himself. But you mentioned it. It's a massive step up in competition for Miguel Baeza. But I do like the skills that he possesses against the potential chinniness of uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio now. Maybe he can really, you know, prey on that weakness and, uh, you know, capitalize on hurting him on the feet. But if things get ugly, I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, Miguel Baeza look to go to the takedown route in order to secure some rounds. I am backing Miguel Baeza quite a bit here, Jason. But let me tell you that, you know, if, if you're looking at an underdog that is, 
you know, a staple within the division and was on such a roll. Santiago, Santiago Ponzinibbio at 7,900 is a guy that you need to be looking at and probably hammering because at, you know, he's one of the best values on the slate. He's going to be potentially a, a leverage play for me in, in mm. terms of seeing what we see with, with ownership projections as we lead up to lock on Saturday. By the way, we'll be here on Saturday at 3 o'clock Eastern time leading up to UFC Vegas 28, which, of course, start at 4 p.m. Eastern time. He's just one of those guys that, you know, I mean, look, we live in a world where it's a, we, we remember the last thing we saw from you. And I do feel like, and I think this is a fight that will be a, a, a mat will probably, I'll have the, one of my most exposed fights will probably be this fight. Mm-hmm. But I also think that potentially Santiago could be in a good leverage spot against the rest of the field. Yeah, 100%. I, I think that, you know, both players will be pretty uh, popular and for good reason. Um, I will be hammering this fight as, as I mentioned. Um, and you know, MMA fans in general are pretty fickle and, uh, you know, you know, no. recency biases. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. So, you don't and, you know, say, and you know, recency bias is a real thing in this sport. So you lose a fight, you suck, you win a fight, you're the greatest thing. So, uh, you know, it's just how it is, man. And that's why this sport's so difficult because you take, there's such a long period of time for you to go out there and redeem yourself. So, um, you know, a guy, when he's on such a long winning streak, is impressive because it's a very, very difficult sport to, to be uh, successful in. But, you know, in saying that, I do think that Miguel Baeza has all the skills. It's just, you know, the having to deal with adversity um, and especially against a guy that's taken out some legitimate top talent. But if a shell of Santiago Ponzinibbio walks in there against Miguel Baeza, Miguel Baeza walks out victorious. I mean, and Miguel Baez, uh, you know, he's one performance of the night bonus his last two fights. I mean, this yeah. is, I mean, he's an exciting guy to watch and, and he definitely is a guy in this division. But to me, it's, it's that question. I, it's just that question mark of, okay, is it too fast for this type of step up in competition? Or is it something that the UFC matchmakers, you know, maybe they just see, a, and maybe it's simply an equation of, you know what? We want to see if these young kids got it. Let's put them up there against a veteran. And then let's see how the veteran responds after a loss. Well, I mean, it, it comes down to more about the veteran, I think, right? Like, uh, you know, they, they'll offer the prospect an opportunity. And if, if the coaching staff don't think that it's a, a good opportunity, then they'll probably turn it down. But, um, you know, it's probably more of a, a determining factor about Santiago Ponzinibbio. I'm sure that he's making a decent amount of money. And if he can't beat a new prospect who's only 10-0, and then where's he really at? Maybe, you know, maybe renegotiations coming up. We don't know. But I will say that Miguel Baeza, Caramel Thunder, is legit, especially for the division. It's just a, a massive, massive step up in competition. Uh, next up, we got Dusko taking on Rodriguez. Dusko, 8,600. Rodriguez, 7,600. Uh, Rodriguez uh, just coming off wins in LFA in the middleweight mm-hmm. tournament that they put together. They did a four-man tournament, uh, defeating Josh Frim there in, in, the, uh, in the finals of that tournament. Stepping up here. On short notice, you take this matchup. Uh, after you saw what happened with Dusko in that last fight against Soria, I can see you shake your head there. Uh, is he on the do not trust list with the chin? He is the you know the mayor of the do not trust list. He's such an idiot. And the reason I say that is because fight IQ is is a real thing. And uh, you know you can get away with stuff in the gym, but when your hands are down and you're just fading back and attempting to pull back from all shots and it's not working. Okay, you try it once, maybe twice. You know, it's clearly a habit. So I, I wonder if he's made adjustments because um, it's not like he just made one mistake 
and you know his opponent capitalized on it and finished him he did it numerous times and it's just like dude put your hands up stop fading back work on defense work on clinching him work on trying to take him down because Dusko Totorovic like he's he has a ton of skill he really does he has excellent jujitsu that a lot of people aren't aware of um pretty damn good volume good striking it's just now the recklessness slash fight IQ and striking defense is kind of like a, a liability. So when a guy is a liability like this, you either ride the wave that he's not making the changes. And if he's not making the changes or the adjustments, then Gregory Rodriguez might be one of your favorite plays on the slate. And I do think that this matchup is, is like going to be one of my, my most favorite that I will be targeting mm-hmm. because I just feel like on either side, I can see somebody working towards a finish or an explosive score. So you know, if you think that Dusko Dodorovic is going to sit back and make adjustments because he is young and, uh, you know, fighters are constantly improving and, and fixing themselves. So don't think that this is a constant going forward. I mean, we, we will know come Saturday whether he's made adjustments, but I do favor Dusko Todorovic still. I think that he's a big guy for the division. Um, you know, not, nothing crazy as far as size, but I think the skills are all there. I, f- I feel like they're pretty polished. If he can just kind of just adjust his defense, I think that he can be a legitimate threat for the division. And Punahela Soriano is so, so damn good. And maybe I didn't give Punahela Soriano enough credit, but, you know, I, I think that he's going to be here for some time too. So, uh, I mean, split your exposure for this fight. Gregory Rodriguez has all the skills to make this a competitive fight in all areas. But when the going gets tough, and if this turns into a slugfest, I still think I might favor Dusko Todorovic in the exchanges. Yeah, I mean, I think what the question mark I have with Dusko is after taking the damage that he did yeah. take in that Soriano fight of, you know, did he, did he take some time away to sit there and, and, and rest his brain a little bit? You know, it's that to me is a question mark. You know, yeah, it's. It's been since January since that fight happened. So I do, that's just, it's a concern with mine of, and, and like, you know, we always talk about there's things we know and there's things we don't know mm-hmm. in the fight game. That's one of those things of, I don't know and bring up the point of, I mean, man, are your hands going to be up? That that's gotta be a question mark uh, in terms of that. Of course, uh, this is the also UFC DFS strategy show. We're here talking UFC Vegas number 28, and we are sponsored by monkey knife fight with monkey knife fight. You are in charge with their player prop contest they have over there and of course uh, when you use that promo code awesome you get an instant first match deposit bonus up to 100 and got an email from uh from monkey knife fight this week they've changed up their scoring for ufc starting with this event where a significant strike is now 0.6 points knockdown 12 points takedown six points takedown defended three points submission attempt five points a first round win is 100 points a second round win 75 points a third round win 50 points fourth round win 35 points a fifth round win 25 points a decision win 20 points so uh as you are putting together whatever you want to do over at monkey knife fight you got to take in what that new scoring system is in their course those more or less contests i'm sure we'll be talking a lot about that yeah. in terms of those more or less overall monkey knife fight during live before lock course as i mentioned be sure to use that promo code awesome when you sign up and get instant first match deposit of up to 
$100. Next up in the, in the things you may and may not know is Tom Breeze. Tom Breeze against oh. Antonio Arroyo. Tom Breeze, 9200 7000 for Arroyo. The thing with Breeze, I, it's a, I, I was talking to somebody earlier this week. We were talking about the ultimate fighter. And, and I was I was mentioning about, you know, the ultimate fighter is it's a reality show that is going to present a narrative and you may never live past that narrative. Like mm. when you think Julian Lane, you only think one thing. Yeah. Let me bang, bro. It's all it's mm. the only thing you think of when people talk about Maurice Green. All they talk about is that he smokes and he drinks. Well, he hasn't smoked in two years. That perception never leaves you. Tom Breeze. To me, the perception of when he, you know, was in the back and did not make it out to to the cage, that's never going to be leave him. So everyone's always going to have that question mark. It's a high price tag this week at ninety two hundred, Pete. Yeah, I mean, it is a high price tag, and I I will say that, um, you know, I do like Tom Breeze, and I I think that he has so you know such high skills for the division, especially, but just in general in the UFC and. You know, I, I think that of lately we've seen a good Tom Breeze, a good version of Tom Breeze, and you, we've always heard about the potential and how good he is in the gym, and even from his grappling to his striking, his hands, he's slowly but surely putting it together, but there are some times where you see him kind of just, uh, you know, not look mentally there, and uh, I wouldn't say that's how it was in the Omari Akhmedov fight. I just think that Omari Akhmedov is a very difficult opponent for a lot of people. Now, against a guy in Antonio Arroyo, I think that you can capitalize on the inexperience of Arroyo, potentially work in some takedowns. You just have to deal with the power of Arroyo on the feet. But I think a guy like uh, you know Tom Breeze with some slick submissions you know, in his back pocket can hurt Arroyo, make this into the clinch, potentially work towards a takedown. I know that's not really like what you want to think of for, for Tom Breeze, but I think that he is the A side of the fight. But if you think that he can get intimidated by, you know, Antonio Arroyo and Antonio Arroyo could go out there and uh, just crack him with a kick or some explosive hands at 7,000, you're talking about an excellent bargain, an excellent bargain. But for me, I just view I view Tom Breeze as a guy that's inconsistent, but UFC level and Antonio Arroyo just really hasn't shown me that he's UFC level to this point. Um, he could prove us wrong right here. This is a big step in competition. It is a step up. I do like Breeze. I mean, to me, it's just in terms of, of, of DFS is he's got to get a stoppage at 9,200. I mean, he yeah. Has to. yeah, I mean, the hands are there. Um, if you're looking at Antonio Ahoyo, I mean, back-to-back losses against Deron Wynn and Andre Muniz, I mean, both two talented fighters, but what are they both good at? They're both good at grappling, both good at wrestling. So um, this is a stylistic clash between, I would say, two strikers, and I want to see how this fares. I want to see who it favors. Uh, you know, if it gets ugly, does Tom Breeze crack under pressure? At 9,200, he should be able to get – well, he has to get a finish like you spoke of. I don't really think that he does, though. I, I don't think that he gets a finish over Antonio Ahoyo. I could be wrong, but I, I feel like I'd much rather spend my salary elsewhere. Uh, next up, we have got uh, Maquan Amirakani taking on Camilla Kirk. Kirk taking this fight on short notice. Initially, Nate Landwehr was going to be the opponent here 
for Amir Khani. Of course, uh, Kirk coming off that win in LFA against Daniel Swain. Uh, price point here, 9400 for Maquan Amir Khani. $6,800 for Kirk. Uh, Kirk, $9 on FanDuel, $21 for Amir Khani. Yeah, so... Um... You know, this is an interesting fight, and uh, especially when a guy's stepping up on short notice. But, you know, it's nice to know that Kimwella Kirk, you know, just had a fight not so long ago. And um, I do think that the skills are there, and I think that he's a pretty damn good striker. He has shown on the regional scene that he can put together excellent combinations, good hands, good legs. Uh, seems well-rounded on the regional scene. Uh, had a shot in the contender series against Billy Corintillo, but you know, fell short. Um, but Billy Quarantillo was like a buzzsaw for a lot of fighters, you know, in the UFC too. So I don't really want him to, you know, I don't want to hang my, you know, my head at, you know, that performance against Billy Quarantillo, because I do think that this is a winnable fight against Makwan or Mirakani. Now in saying that he needs to stuff the takedowns, right, Jason, because Mirakani, if he's good at anything, he's good at taking people down and uh, working towards a submission finish. Now, we have seen Armir Khani when he's, you know, unable to keep his opponents on the mat or unable to secure a takedown that he's a liability on the feet. We saw it in the Barboza fight, the Shane Burgos fight. We've seen him beat from pillar to post, but there's toughness there. Like he is very tough fatigues at times and uh, potentially a guy like Hamwella Kirk can expose him here. So I do have some, exp- I do have some interest in Hamwella Kirk. Now, you know, I, I know that Camuela Kirk has some solid jujitsu as well. And uh, if I'm looking at his record right now, hasn't been submitted. Um, so that's a nice thing to know when you're going up against Makwan or Mirakani. So Makwan or Mirakani, if he's un- un- unable to get a submission over him, he needs to secure tons of takedowns and control time. How can he do that? Can he keep up that cardio and that pace? I'm not sure, um, but... You would like to side with the uh, UFC experience and kind of always pick the UFC vet in a situation like this. But I'm telling you, guys, Camuela Kirk needs to be a part of your underdog pool, even at 6,800. I think that he is he's a live underdog, in my opinion. Yeah, he, he's definitely going to be someone that uh, will be in my pool as uh, I've already put uh, probably reserved my contest over on DK. So, yeah, that's one of the things of, you know, because this week I, I definitely think that you're going to be going up against, you know, more, you know, people who are constantly playing MMA DFS. So as uh, you know, I'm mostly a 20 max, three max single entry type player. Uh, Kirk will be someone that I'll set up an underdog pool and fantasy cruncher. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of guys that, you know, say, Hey, give me at least one of these guys. And I mean, look, Kirk at 6,800, even if he wins in a decision, I can't say how he's not off pool. Yeah. It just allows so much roster flexibility and uh, you know, it just makes things so much easier. Now, if he were to win a decision and all the top guys didn't come through in some world, in some dimension, then perhaps he's not a part of the optimal because there are some other fighters in there that really kind of, you know, outproduce their salary. But I'm telling you, Kamuela Kirk needs to be a part of the underdog pool. And I do the same exact thing over on awesome.com fantasy cruncher, set my groups. I like to do that for a lot of things. And especially for my underdogs, you know, making sure I, I, you know, whether I'm locking somebody in or I'm getting exposure to one or more of these guys. And look, I'll say this. If you're a, even if you're just a single entry player, one of the things I love to do in mm-hmm. single entry contests is just, you know, put in our projections, put in, you know, all the factors that I like to put in. And then I just like to see how it spits out lineups. Sometimes I'll say, give me 500 lineups and, yeah. and this, 
and and so it allows me to kind of see the the different combinations of lineups you can put together, you know, and then I'll sort them in different ways. But that's one of the best things I can tell people is when you you know you have a, a premium subscription, you have fancy crunch your part of your account, even if you're just a single entry three max player, run a ton of lineups just to kind of see the combinations that you'll get. Yeah, one hundred percent for me. You know, whenever I do any crunch for any sport esports nba baseball mma i like to run 500 because i want to see the exposure levels on on people and even when i'm setting groups or i'm you know hitting the thumbs up or thumbs down on some people or manipulating the exposure myself i want to see and make sure that i'm getting to all the fighters like if i'm if i see like a couple fighters in there under 10 percent that i actually really like well i gotta change something and i gotta you know modify something so it's a great tool if you guys are kind of like you know just playing DFS without it. I really think that it'll, it'll take your DFS skills to a different level. Yeah, it definitely it, it Sometimes I see those exposures. Sometimes <laughs> I'm like, oh, I do not want that much exposure yeah, on, on a certain player. So, mm-hmm. but of course, uh, you know, one of the great things that we love to see is after those contests, we love to see people with their winnings. Of course, you can be a part of the awesome hall of fame. Make sure you're rocking that awesome avatar on your dfs profile you can do is place in the top three in a contest with over five thousand entries tweet your wins to at awesome hof on twitter and you'll win a free month of awesome plus platinum of course you'll see the screenshots here from tyler as he pops those up there uh no seeing some things in nba and some single entries of of uh, hog underscore 11 winning fifteen hundred dollars so kudos to him Take it down an NBA single entry there as well. Also, uh, the real coach, uh, $70,000 first place prize. Uh, kudos to him, man. Uh, ben Simmons leading his lineup there. Also, a 100000 winner as well. So, kudos, man. Went, went over $280,000 in one night. That's a great night. That is a great night. Damn. That's incredible. I mean, my goodness. You know. Lunch is on you, real coach. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Rip Racks uh, winning four thousand dollars over there on FanDuel in NBA. Also, uh, we had uh, J Bud Picks go, taking down third, winning twenty five hundred dollars. Uh, Nick Hill coming in second in PGA, taking down eighty thousand uh, dollars. Just missed out on uh, first place by half a point, which was two hundred thousand. Oof! My goodness. Look at we're killing it, and you know, shout out to my boy Spags. I don't know if he got you know mentioned. I'm sure he did. He did. Oh, he did. Yeah. Oh, he absolutely killed it, man. Shout out to my boy Spags. I saw that hit, and I was like, it couldn't have happened to a better person. Uh, so you know, congrats, Spags, and uh, you know that's what that's why we do this, guys. We enjoy seeing our members and our team just succeed. So, uh... for the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so (laughs) you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now, and the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
yeah, we want to see you guys join that Hall of Fame, you know, especially in the MMA. Yeah, I'll tell you, one of those contests that I love playing is the multipliers. And uh, the other night, uh, I'm sitting here watching the, the Clipper games, and wife kind of wants the TV to go off. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm ready, ready <laughs> yeah. to get first place here. Uh, no, I know. I need Kawhi to keep getting to me some points. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's a. That's a that's a tough moment right there, right? Like uh, you're trying to act like you don't care about her turning off that TV, and then you know you're like, uh, you know, baby, I got some money on this. Don't don't touch the damn remote. Uh, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I, I I would tell you, I wish uh, we we saw some of those multipliers in MMA like we see in NBA. Those are honestly some of my favorite contests to play over. Uh, you know, in, in NBA uh, DFS, but uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll see some more of that over. Uh, in the MMA side of things. Let's move on to the next fight, another heavyweight matchup. Tanner Bozer taking on a year Latifi. Tanner Bozer, 8,900. Latifi, 7,300. I mean, like, look, Pete, Latifi's game plan has got to be trying to take this fight to the ground. Has to be. Yeah, 100%. So, like, Tanner Bozer made a career, you know, as a heavyweight, just kind of staying on the outside and outpointing a lot of his opponents. And, uh, you know, he did look good in the UFC and has looked good. Uh, but he's actually run into some knockouts as well. And uh, traditionally not a KO artist, but picking up a knockout win over Felipe Lins and then Rafael Pazoa is extremely impressive. Losing a decision to Andre Arlovsky. Um, you know, 8,900. I mean, he just, to me, just doesn't do enough. If you're, if you expect him to go out there and get a finish over a Latifi, then by all means, you know, he's probably going to pay off that 8,900 price tag. But when I look at Latifi, who did not get knocked out by Derek Lewis. I don't think that Tanner Bowes is knocking him out, Jason. So, uh, you know, I, I think that Alir Latifi, you know, needs to resort to takedowns, as you mentioned. And I think that's his path to victory here and press Tanner Bowes against the cage. Alir Latifi needs to, mm-hmm. you know, incorporate takedowns, smothering pressure. And he's one of my favorite underdogs at 7,300. Um, not the most exciting fight. I think that, you know, he has potential to extremely outproduce his salary at 7,300 but he's a guy I will be including a lot in my lineups and will allow me a lot of uh, roster flexibility. Well, I think the difference here in terms of uh, Latifi and the other opponents that Tanner Bozer has had in the UFC, you really haven't had someone who was going to really push the takedown where, I mean, look, Latifi is middleweight body. Yeah. Fighting heavyweight. Yeah. I have a couple of fighters that are literally just like Latifi, but they're heavyweights. Um, so I understand where Latifi's at from like a stylistic and, uh, you know, a frame disadvantage, but Tanner Bozer is not like some behemoth, like Tanner Bozer is a big guy, but it's not like he's fighting Alexander Volkov or something like that, like a skyscraper type of guy. Um, I think that this is a very winnable fight for, uh, Alir Latifi, you know, and I know it's some time ago, but I do find confidence when I look back on his record and I see a victory over Tyson Pedro, 44 significant strikes, four takedowns, seven minutes of control time, pumped out 84 points. You know, nothing crazy. Uh, I see that he uh, got three takedowns over Derek Lewis, nine minutes of control time. That's pretty awesome. I know Derek Lewis, you know, his wrestling's not really up to par, but his get-up ability is always there. Um, (laughs) You know, I I think Corey Anderson, the fact Corey Anderson, if you look what Corey Anderson's doing in Bellator, he looks absolutely sensational. Uh, didn't score any takedowns against Corey Anderson, but, uh, you know, 33 significant strikes. All in all, what I'm saying is Latifi has fought the better competition despite Tanner Bozer's uh, experience. And I, I just think that Latifi is underpriced here. I like him quite a bit. 
the uh, prop bet of Latifi to win by decision plus 365 is interesting. Wow. Bozer plus 190. So I, I think if you're looking to make a bet on this fight, I think that's the prop bet you got to be looking at in this fight because I do think this one goes 15 minutes. All right. So, so what, what is Vegas thinking in, in a situation like that, right? Like Bozer's knocking him out or Latifi's getting a finish. Bozer's very, very durable. Um, and Bozer's not really a KO artist, but he has in the UFC picked up two knockouts. I don't know. That's and, odd. So the over two and a half rounds is <clears throat> minus 140. Fight goes decision minus 120. Latifi by uh, TKOKO plus 495. Bozer by TKOKO plus 205. Latifi via submission plus 1205. Bozer by submission plus 2250. Hold on. Over two and a half, you said, or over two rounds was minus 120? 140 over two and a half rounds. And then so they're, they're telling you they think it's going to decision. Yeah, I know, but the the plus money on these guys to win by decision is crazy. Like it's not. Yeah, no. I mean, like it's it's a close fight in my opinion. I don't think that Latifi should be that far off. Yeah, I, that's a and this you know look and we always talk about it, live betting in MMA is yeah. such a, a critical thing that if you live in a state where you can live bet, man, I'm telling you, you got to take advantage of it. Jason, I can't wait. It's happening soon. Did you see my post about how they might be uh, suspending DFS for for my state, Connecticut? I did see that. So they, um, so here in Florida, uh, sports betting is becoming legal. Right. Um, and one, as that was getting voted on, there was also this bill about DFS and it looks like it's kind of been tabled and, you know, I really didn't do a deep dive into it, but I'm like, I'm like, hold on. October 15th comes around here. I'm going to literally be able to sit on my couch and wager on MMA if I want to, but we're questioning DFS now. That's what I'm saying. It's like, uh, I think it's kind of like a makeup, like a, a makeup call. Like, you know, D- DFS was like going through a loophole for quite some time here in Connecticut. And uh, now that um, they they will be passing sports betting, I feel like they're going to make it extra difficult, you know, as far as like legislation and stuff in order, you know, to, to get past, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, like a makeup call in order to get some more money for the, for the time that they were able to get away with it. So I don't know, man, we'll have to see, but uh, come July, I'm hoping that they have it resolved. Yeah. Uh, Nick brings up this question over in YouTube. He says, do betting odds heavily affect your DFS picks? I would say it goes into my evaluation and you know, what I'm, what I'm looking at is a, where did the odds maker start the fight at? Yeah. And then how did the betting public react to that line? I think it's a, it's a key component, but ultimately it, it just comes down to what I see on film. Yeah. Me personally. No, uh, I don't really care about, you know, Vegas odds. I do look at them from time to time. It's kind of like a last thing. Cause I, I liked like just a little reassurance sometimes, but uh, you know, if you are just banking on Vegas odds, they're, they're right more often than they're wrong. Hence why they built an empire. But for MMA, I feel like they're not really that good. Like fighting such an unpredictable sport, there are plenty of other spots that that you know Vegas is much better at. Of course, I do want to let you know over at Osmo.com right now, we now have you got you covered for Tennis DFS. And if you have yet to play Tennis DFS, then now is the time to give it a chance with the French Open underway. We just launched our premium Tennis DFS projections, which are free for the French Open. 
but we'll be going behind the paywall come Wimbledon. So now's your chance to preview them. DraftKings is offering contests with much as $20,000 being awarded to first place. So there is some potential big money to be had there. You can find these under the tennis category on our homepage at awesome.com. You can see it right there on the screen as Tyler's got it up in the in the, on the screen there, by the way, happy early birthday to Tyler coming up this weekend. So uh, I know he's going to be, he's going to be celebrating a little bit. Happy birthday to our boy. That is right. You know, Tyler behind the scenes, just uh, killing it as always. And, uh, you know, happy birthday. Enjoy, enjoy your weekend, buddy. Next up, we have got Francisco Trinaldo taking on Muslim Salikov. Salikov, 9,100, 7,100 for Trinaldo over on FanDuel, $22 and $8 respectively. Trinaldo is a guy that just keeps on trucking along. Like, it's a guy that, you know, you probably thought, oh, he's, he's going to, you know, his days in UFC coming in, but this guy just keeps trucking along. But once again, underdog spot for him. Can, can you believe that we're really even talking about this? about Francisco Trinaldo competing in the UFC at age 42 and having success. Like the guy has been great in the UFC and uh, he doesn't feel, he doesn't even seem like he's like losing a step. Now, what, let me say that Jason always says that father time is undefeated. So when he does lose a step, it's going to happen really quickly. And then it's probably never going to, uh, it's probably never going to you know, like, he's never going to revert back from that. Um, but he's on a three fight winning streak over decent competition, Bobby green, John McDessie, Jai Herbert, Jai Herbert's eh, that's probably the worst win of that three fight streak. But I mean, uh, Trinaldo has been durable for the most part throughout his career. He is in an underdog spot here. And I think that he'll be extremely popular because of what he does. Like he comes forward, he throws explosive combinations, good power, has takedowns to resort to if he needs to. Um, the problem is, is he's fighting a guy who's so slick on the feet that he might end up getting knocked out. And that's the way I see it going. I personally think that uh, Muslim Salikov hasn't really shown the best in the octagon. And I can say that even though he has two knockouts, a uh, knockout over Ricky Rainey and Nordine Taleb, but I feel like he hasn't really given a good account of himself of like a, a complete performance the, the wins over Loriana Staropoli and Eliza Zaleski Dos Santos, those are definitely good, solid wins. But I think that uh, we could have a highlight on our hands come Saturday night, and uh, I think it will be Muslim Salakong over Francisco Trinaldo. Uh-huh. So I, I think we see who, who might be in the, uh, the Pete, the Heat, uh, maximum exposure list here. Nah, not really, though, because like his style's so weird. And his style's so weird, and it's like a – you know, I don't know. I can see this being like a very low volume type of fight. And then when the knockout happens, only a couple significant, you know, strikes actually landed. And maybe it was in the second or third round. And, you know, at his given price point of uh, 9,100, maybe it doesn't really come through. Because if you look at what Salikov has done in the UFC in his four, uh, four fight win streak, 91 points, 104 points, 71 points, 46 points. Guess what? Those 46 points, Jason, that's in a win. That's like one of the lowest things I've ever seen for a win. Yeah, it's uh, sometimes you wonder, how is that even possible? I don't know. Like you're fighting, but obviously it's like you get controlled throughout the mat. I mean, throughout the, the, the fight or the rounds. Um, I do think that this could have some banger pot- uh, potential between Trinaldo and Salikov in some exchanges. 
But, uh, you know, it's Salikov for me. I think Chernobyl will be a very, very chalky guy at 7,100. And if you think if it's not broken, then why fix it? And you want to go back to that well, and you think he picks up his fourth consecutive victory at 42 years old against one of the best strikers in the UFC. I mean, I can't fault you there. I mean, he, he could do it, but I, I'm back in Salikov. Next up, we got Alan Patrick taking on Mason Jones. Mason Jones, 9,500 on DraftKings, 6,700 for Alan Patrick. Mason Jones may be one of the most interesting fighters to me on this card. Mm -hmm. Is A, how does he bounce back? This is a former Cage Warriors champion, lost his UFC debut. So how does he bounce back? Take it on Alan Patrick here. I mean, obviously, I do feel like this is a showcase fight for Mason Jones. Yeah. Boy, 9500 That is a huge price tag to pay. Man, I wish he wasn't 9500 because he's one of my favorite fighters on the slate. And I know that sounds kind of like, you know, silly because he's 9500 It, it, it kind of looks like an auto win for him. It's not an auto win. Alan Patrick is, is a difficult fight for most people. But I think that Mason Jones showed off some incredible toughness, excellent volume, just a well-rounded skill set against uh, Mike Davis. And uh, that's a very difficult debut. But Mason Jones, in my opinion, passed. And, you know, he had some excellent moments and uh, looked like he could be on his way to winning the fight. But in a loss, scored 56 points, which is absolutely incredible, especially for a fight that, you know, largely was on the feet. Uh, 117 significant strikes. I like Mason Jones a lot. The problem is the price. But if possibly you combine a Mason Jones 9,500 with like a Camwella Kirk at 6,800, maybe those two kind of offset each other and balance each other out. That can allow you some, some other high price studs and some mid range options to make some, uh, make your roster construction possible. Yeah. It's uh, you know, when I was looking at the car before I hadn't even seen the salaries, I was like, all right, Mason Jones said definitely when I saw the price, I was like, I know. Oh man, it's a man. I want to. I I want to say like he's my favorite fighter on the card, but that sounds silly because he's the hot and the most expensive. I mean, like for people that are casuals and they don't know anything about this, they're gonna pull up you know DFS. They're gonna pull up the DraftKings app and they're gonna see Mason Jones ninety five hundred. Damn, this guy must be good. Okay, pencil him in. You know what I mean? Like he's he's gonna be chalky because of his price. But in the same token, when ownership comes out on Saturday and we're doing live before lock. If he's under owned because of such an expensive salary, I might actually just try to make make my rosters work by rostering him. I think the question at that price tag, though, is Pete, is what does he have to score to be optimal? Don't you think that he could absolutely just obliterate Alan Patrick and like, could, yeah. like get like 120, 130 points? I, I think that's definitely possible. I mean, if you put Alan Patrick in the cage for Mason Jones's debut instead of Mike Davis. And he had the exact same performance. He was on his way to a finish in my opinion, and probably would have busted down the doors to 120 points against Alan Patrick. Now this fight's a different fight. This is a different camp. We don't know what's going on, but I still like uh, Mason Jones quite a bit. Yeah. I like him that spot, but to me at 9,500, I need 150, 120 points for that really to come in there. Uh, Next up, we got a matchup that just came together here over the last couple of days. Uh, Farah and Ricci. uh, We don't have a price tag on Ricci yet. 8,500 for her opponent. I think her opponent's going to be because that price tag is going to become interesting. She is a five to one betting favor. This one, but I want to bring up uh, Tabitha Ricci's strength of schedule. Pete, the last three fights. LFA 90 back in September of last year. It was her opponent's pro debut. Next matchup, 
LFA 98 back in January. Her opponent's record, one and five. Her fight in April, her opponent's record, two and three. Yeah. I mean, look, she may go out there and shock the, you know, shock me and, and put on wheel performance. But like when I see that stuff, and now you're in the UFC, especially on short notice, uh, it scares me. It happens though. I mean, if you really go back and you you dig into everybody's career, you'll see that there are some you know low level competition when oh, you're starting off. But I, now you're in the UFC. I understand what you're saying. I don't think that she was expecting to get this call to the UFC so quickly. So she was taking that long type of boxing approach to her career or her management was doing that because like for a lot of fighters, they don't have say, well, they have say, but they have so much trust in their management and their team that they allow them to make the decisions for them. Like uh, I'll fight whoever you just kind of pick the opponents for me. So it takes the stress off my shoulders. And uh, you know, if you think that I need to work on certain things, obviously I'm going to take the long approach, but there are some fighters that literally fight like, uh, you know, murderers row and they're sitting there just fighting, you know, the best regional talent in the world. And it comes to, you know, it's like a, an argument. Do you fight the best fighters on the regional scene? Do you waste those fights instead of saving those for a higher promotion? It's a tough balance. This is what I'll say. Look, I have no problem with being the A side of the fight on the regional scene. And also yeah. I'll say this, don't take a UFC level on the regional pack. Like I, I'm, I'm the first, I'm the first one to say that, okay. but also there, I will tell you, there have been times uh, with other fighters where because of the relationship I have with regional matchmakers, sometimes you'll find out like, yeah, that fire just won't take a notable fight. Yeah. And, and that, that to me is always a red flag. Yeah. I mean, at some point, right. You've got to step up. I mean, you're either part of that type of competition or you're not. So like, you really have to like, okay, well, test yourself and a lot of people are afraid to test themselves and they want to put themselves in winning positions all the time but i understand what you're saying and i think that my analysis for this fight is less about tabitha ritchie and me kind of disregarding her strength of schedule and more about manon firo i just like manon firo a lot i think that she's going to be the more physical fighter there i thought she looked absolutely incredible in her debut and if you didn't know and you weren't on the manon firo uh wave that we were talking about in our pre-show you know, she, she went out there and made us look really, really smart. And I think that, uh, you know, that incredible standing TKO over Victoria Leonardo stood out and proves that she's very dangerous within the division. I like Manon Firo quite a bit. Um, I, I think that she's just a, you know, a strong fighter, even at 8,500. I think I'll have plenty of Manon Firo in my lineups. I don't know if I expect a finish because it is women's MMA. But in her debut, she did score 100 fantasy points with a second round TKO. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No yeah, 8,500. She does that. You're going right. to love that. And we always talk about that. Sometimes you got to look in that mid 8 range, AK range to find some of those fighters. Next up, we got another female matchup Montana De La Rosa versus Ariane Lipsky. This is my question for Lipsky. How does she keep the fight on the feet? Yeah, right. I mean, when you're out grappled and out wrestled by uh, 
you know, Antonina Shevchenko, then you really have to, you know, sit there and make adjustments to your game. And in the UFC, we have seen Lipsky taken down quite a bit. Um, you know, I, I think that Montana De La Rosa, if she's anything, she's a good grappler and a, a good wrestler. So when I see that Ariana Lipsky was taken down one time in her debut against jo- uh, Joanne Calderwood, twice by Molly McCann, twice by Isabella De Padua, and then once by Antonina Shevchenko and then was TKO'd. Um, you know, I, I don't know if that's a red flag for me, but it makes me have some interest in Montana De La Rosa. Now, I did not expect Montana De La Rosa to have this high of a salary. Like, I really didn't. Full transparency, I didn't think that she'd be 9300 I thought that I was going to be able to come in here. It's a women's MMA, and I was going to be able to get her around 8500 or something like that. 9300 ugh because I don't really have so much faith in Montana De La Rosa, even though she has a clear path to victory by taking her opponent to the mat. Uh, scored three takedowns in the Buena Silva fight, one in the Araujo fight, one in the uh, Romero Barella, five in the Lee fight. So, you know, the, the numbers are there, Jason, and the potential is there. So I don't know if Lipsky can really work back to her feet. This could be a, a lot of get a takedown, tons of control time, potentially work towards a submission finish or a TKO. I still like Montana De La Rosa. I don't really think that Ariana Lipsky has had enough time. Well, let's see this. I was going to say hasn't had enough time to make the adjustments. That Shevchenko fight was in November of 2020. So, you know, we're coming up. What's that? Like seven, eight months. Um, yeah. You know, that's that's okay. Maybe she has made some adjustments, but it's just a, not a not a, a solid stylistical fight for her. Uh, next up, we got Sean Woodson taking on Yusuf Salal. Uh, this is a, an odd matchup to me. I don't First know. First off, like you've got Woodson, who is a tall, lanky guy at 145 pounds. And then you got Zalal, who really is more a 35er than he is a 45er, just yeah. because of his size. Woodson's got a massive uh, six-inch reach advantage in this fight. At 8,800, I don't know if I trust Woodson. Zalal is a guy that I've constantly backed in DFS, and, and more times it just hasn't worked out the way I'd hope it, it would work out here. Uh, but the one thing about Zalal is movement. He, he He's like, I don't want, it's not Dominic Cruz type movement, but he moves around a lot. And I just kind of wonder, he's going to have to get on the inside, and how's he going to do it? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a great point. I don't understand the matchmaking with this fight. And I, I don't really, I feel like this is a wasted fight for both fighters because you have Woodson, who's just like a skyscraper for the division. And you have Yusuf Salal, who has shown promise and uh, actually looked really good early on until he uh, fought Ilya Tapuria. And then in his uh, most recent fight against Sung Woo Choi, didn't really you know, pull that one out. But uh, I think that Yusuf Salal could struggle at range. And the reason he could struggle at range is because of Woodson's frame, right? Woodson being 6'2 with a 78-inch reach is absolutely bananas. Uh, Yusuf Zalal is a pretty big guy for the division too, 5'10", 72-inch reach. So even being a big guy, he's going to be at a uh, slight disadvantage here. I think the elusiveness and the movement could actually reduce the volume of Sean and Woodson because people are going to be box score watching and going back and seeing that Woodson scored 100 significant strikes in two of his three UFC fights, and you know he, he's got crazy volume and length. But if he's not able to really bring his feet with him and hit a moving target, the guy who's darting in and out could possibly frustrate him, or it could just materialize into a low volume, a low production affair. Um, I still think that Yusuf Zalal will look to take him down. 
I really do like look to take him down and test that ground game of his. I think that Yusuf Zalal is the better grappler. And I think the better overall fighter Woodson does seem to be a little bit one dimensional with his hands. Um, you know, picked up a nice knee knockout on the contender series, but for me, right. This might be one of my least favorite fights as far as DFS. I might not roster either one of these guys. And if I did roster one of them, I'd probably just hope that Yusuf Zalal can put something together and come through for us. Yeah, it's uh, it's just it's odd, and, and they're both rep by the same manager, which also you, makes it kind of interesting. But by the way, the first fight is also the they both have the same manager. Uh, that's Jordan Levitt taking on Claudio Pelleas. Uh, Levitt nine thousand, of course, uh, coming off that massive that slam victory, uh, you know, last year. Uh, first off, the one of the craziest things about Jordan is before he got to UFC, he had never lifted a weight. Yeah, and now he's a part of the PI, right? And he's doing it. Yeah, he's at the PI. Like this is a crazy thing. I was talking to somebody who's fighting uh, this week in Tennessee, Peter Pettis, who oh, yeah. is now fi- is now fighting at fifty five. His days of forty five are over. He's you know, in your book. You know, days forty five are, are done. You're, you're yeah. never going to see forty six on the scale ever again. No. And he he told me the same exact thing. He's like, yeah, I've never lift the weights. And in my mind, I'm going, this is just crazy to me to think about an athlete never lifted weights. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't big into weightlifting because I've always been like a slender kid and I've always been like, uh, you know, a string bean for a very long time. I mean, I graduated at six foot at 130 pounds. So like, you know, I I was skinny. So I I was fighting at 135 pounds for the longest time. And, uh, you know, weights, you know, it depends on what type of background you come from, too. Like a lot of boxing or a lot of kickboxing don't really believe in the weights because they think it makes you too tight or too rigid. Um, but MMA, not so much wrestlers do like to lift. So it's kind of finding that balance between the sports. And especially when you're in MMA, you need to incorporate weightlifting. Yeah. Uh, I, I think this is a showcase for Jordan here. Yeah. You know, I, I like the price range at 9,000 for Jordan Levitt. I think that he can resort to takedowns to get a ton. I mean, his stats are completely, absolutely ridiculous. One significant strike, one takedown, one win, 120 points. I mean, that's just, if, People don't know Jordan Levin and they're just going by that, that, you know, that box score. He looks like a smash play at only 9,000. Um, I do like him. I don't think that this is a, an easy fight. I think that Claudio Puelas is skilled. He is 10 and two overall, but I do think that Jordan Levitt can go out there, whether he gets, you know, numerous takedowns, gets one, gets a reversal, his jujitsu is so sneaky and so threatening that he can work towards a finish. And, uh, you know, I just like the fact that he's an undefeated fighter, you know, from syndicate. I just really like that. And, uh, you know, Jordan Levitt will be a part of one of my must haves, not for every lineup, but he, I'll have tons of exposure. Uh, before we get into our, <laughs> our fight picks, mm-hmm. I want to mention this question that came in on Twitter a little earlier from Hunter, man. He says, one of my boys went with Lariano off his superior get up game. What I don't understand is why Roman get, does not get tons of takedowns anyway if they're coming easy. Who is correct to each of you? Well, let me tell you. It's sometimes It sounds so stupid, right? But sometimes fighters know their strengths but want to prove that their weaknesses are not that weak in the cage. Uh, so, like, you see, like, fighters starting to fall in love with their hands. And a guy like Roman Delidze, like, who has such a grappling advantage over everybody. It's almost like he wants to get victories a different way. Um, If he went out there and he just was adamant about taking people down and getting quick submission wins and trying to climb the ladder, 
I think that he really could be dangerous within the division. Maybe that loss is exactly what he needs. Maybe that's what he needs to kind of wake up and start to work on his strengths. But, uh, you know, it's a good argument. You know, Star Poli's get-up game versus Delidze's, you know, takedowns and the fact that he's going to be the much more physical fighter. If he goes out there and tries to strike and get Star Poli, I just think he's going to get out volumed like two to one. Um, if he gets his hands on Star Poli, I think Star Poli's going for a ride, Me, even m- multiple times. But the fact that Delizzi does cut a tremendous amount of weight, uh, you know, to make middleweight, I think is always interesting. Yes, he'll be stronger, but will he be able to keep up the pace through three rounds? Yeah, uh, of course. Uh, we're uh, Samuel. I saw his super chat. We'll get into that to here in a moment. But let's give our straight up fight picks. Of course, uh, if you do want to leave some last minute questions, leave those right there in YouTube. Of course, uh, if you're not subscribed to Austin on YouTube, be sure to do that. Got a ton of great shows for you each and every day. And of course, uh, be sure to give us a thumbs up. We really do appreciate that. Let's go our straight up fight picks. They have nothing related to DFS. Let's start off with the main event. Give me Rose Struck against Sakai. Yeah, same. Rosen struck for me. Harris Tybura. My heart wants to say Harris. My brain. I'm going to go with my brain. Marcy <laughs> Tybura. Yeah, Tybura. Uh, Delize versus Staropoli. This one, I kind of went back and forth. Give me uh, give me Delize. Yeah, give me Delize. I don't feel good about it. Uh, Ponzanibio versus Baeza. Yeah, Baeza, baby. I'm Baeza as well. Dusko and Rodriguez. Dusko. I'm with you on that one. Uh, give me Tom Breeze against Arroyo. Agreed, Tom Breeze. Americani versus Kirk. Well, uh, since this isn't DFS related, I will say... Damn, I don't know what I'm going to say. I'll go Camuela Kirk. I, I'll, I'll take a shot. I'm, I'm Give me Americani the favorite, but I do from a DFS perspective, I do like Kirk. Uh, yeah. Bozer and Latifi. This is another one I keep going back and forth on. I'm going to say Bozer, but yeah. I am concerned that he gets taken down. I like Latifi. Trinaldo Salikov. I will take Salikov. Salikov. Jimmy Jones against Patrick. Jones. Ricci. Uh, no way. <laughs> I, I, no way. Can't go with. I, give me. Give me. Uh, Farad, a five. A, a over five to one betting favorite. Wow. Yeah. Give me Manon Figueroa. Della Rosa against Lindsay. I will go Della Rosa. Yes, yeah, I think she just takes Rosa. it to the ground. De La Rosa. Woodson Zalal. I'm going to go with the underdog here in, in Yusuf Zalal. I, I'm a Zalal guy, man. Like I, I know that he's a friend of your show, and uh, you know I watch all the interviews. They're, they're both they're both friends of the show, by the way. Is, is Woodson? <laughs> okay, but I feel like you've known Zalal for a lot longer, or you talk to Zalal a lot more. At least it yeah. seems that way. Um, I don't know. I like Zalal quite a bit. Yeah, Woodson has done some work there at, at Glory. Uh, give me uh, Jordan Levitt in, in the opening fight of the night. Agree. Jordan Levitt. Uh, uh, Samuel in the super chat with his usual questions. Top two cash, GPP, MVP, inside the distance, who will break the slate, top favorite fighters, uh, close to lock status. What are optimal fights to consider? Much love. So uh, in terms of let's start off with the GPP aspect of this one. Okay. Um, I, I think in terms of fights, yeah, I think you have to be looking Baeza, Ponzanibio. Um, that Tybora Harris for me really sticks out. Yeah. 
I mean, I think those are two fights. I think you really got to stick to in terms of cash. My, my general thought is who am I going to have the most faith in? If you can put, if you can do roster construction with Mason Jones, he'd be the top one for me. Yeah. I think like cash, right? Like to give you two of the, the most expensive guys is, is very easy, but Jordan Levin, Mason Jones seem like two of my favorite 9,000 options. Uh, Montana De La Rosa, it's women's MMA. Anything can happen. Tom Brees, you don't really know what you're going to get. Has been a head case at times. Struggled with confidence. 9,200. Needs to get a finish in order to perform there. Salikov, low volume, 9,100. So for me, like the 9,000 options, and I'm Amir Khani, 9,400, facing a guy who could punish him off of bad takedowns. I think it's Jordan Levitt, Mason Jones as two of the best 9K options. In terms of that that, uh, MVP type role, Tybura is someone that does stick out to me because of the potential of uh, multiple takedowns plus a stoppage because, I mean, look, the longer that fight goes, the more you favor Marcin Tybura. Yeah, I I still favor Marcin Tybura quite a bit. I think that he could take him to takedown city or he could just take him down once and get a finish. Um, I I really like him a bit. In terms of uh, inside the distance props, I think you got to look at Mason Jones as an inside the distance prop. I mean, that's... That's someone I, I would look to there. Uh, I would also look at Jordan Levitt at ninth at, at ninth house as an inside the distance type guy. Really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, his submission ability. I don't think he's going to pick up knockouts because his striking doesn't seem to be there. But uh, yeah. I mean, we've heard a lot about his grappling and his jujitsu. You know, from the regional scene to you know in the training room, we've heard a lot about it. So I think that he could live up to the the nickname and the hype. I've heard some things about his stand up ability. Uh, in terms of training, it just has not transferred to fight night oh, because so of, of the grappling. Positive things you've heard. You've heard. Yes, positive yes, things. yes. Okay. Positive things I've heard. Positive okay. things I've heard. Uh, top uh, favorite fighters close to lock status. Um, well, I, I'm Mason Jones, I guess, but that's I feel like that's a cop out, right? Like that's yeah. I mean, a- the price point just if that if he was like. 9,100. Yeah. He'd probably be at a, but at 9,500, just, it it becomes a roster construction question. Yeah. So like, if you like mid range, I think Manofi wrote's in a smash spot, absolute smash spot. Um, you know, I, I really do. I think that that's an excellent and workable salary. Um, yeah, I think that's probably like a very, very sneaky fighter to target because a lot of people don't like targeting women's MMA. Optimal fights uh, that to target to me: Harris, Tybura, Ponsonibio by Aza, and I would put Dusko and Rodriguez in that category as well. Yeah, so let me give you my three favorite GPP fights: Tybura, Harris, um, Todorovic, Rodriguez, and then let me go with Kirk Amirkani. I feel like that's a sneaky one. Uh, because Amir Khani's grappling, he it could be a big total on either side. Yeah, uh, Eric says uh, lock of the night. Uh, yeah, there's no. Uh, well, you know, yeah. P does P does not like that word. I like Mason Jones a lot, and Alan Patrick is not a bad fighter at all. And Alan Patrick is really good. It's more about how impressed I was from Mason Jones. So I will say that Mason Jones is the lock of the night, but it makes roster construction extremely difficult. Now on Saturday, come Saturday, we could have some changes or. You know, maybe we see some bad weight cuts and that's where you can get some advantageous spots on some bad salaries or some good salaries. So make sure you guys tune in on Saturday to our live before lock show. Um, You know, everybody likes hanging out with us before the fights, tossing some questions in there, kind of just, you know, discussing fights and all this and that. But if you appreciate what we did today, 
because Jason and I are the best in the business. And I do believe that. Just hit that like button, subscribe to our channel. We really appreciate it. Latifi is a guy I'm really interested to see what he looks like on the scale. I think Latifi is going to be solid for the division, right? Like, I don't think that he's going to be small. I think people are kind of like, hold on. You make, you guys are making me do this. Hold on. I want to see. This is my thing. Is it a good weight gain or bad weight gain? I don't care. He he just needs to be, uh, he just needs to be solid. So Tanner Bozer, 6'2", Alira Latifi, 5'10". I will be interested to see. And, uh, you know, I don't really make a lot of, like stare down calls, you know, looking at at the stare downs and, and kind of like, Oh my God, the guy's got such a reach advantage and a height advantage. He's going to win. Cause none of that matters, man. Because especially if they get into the clinch or if a guy is 10 feet tall, you put him on his back, you put him on the, on the mat, you know, it doesn't matter that reach advantage and everything. So um, I, I'm with you though. I do want to see how he looks on the scale. Final thing. Uh, Dan says, who's taking a nice trip to take down city. All right, so let, let's talk about some candidates of who could be visiting some Takedown City stuff. So Claudio Puelas, starting us off, could be visiting Takedown City. I think Jordan Levitt could take him there. Um, I do think that uh, Tanner Bozer, not really, though, because Tanner Bozer is kind of like, you know, 27 fights, should be able to defend some takedowns, but could still get taken down quite a bit. I think Ariana Lipsky could get taken down, like, over and over and over from Montana de la Rosa. So Montana de la Rosa is probably a pretty big candidate for that. And then, uh, you know, the number one on the entire card, Walt Harris is going to uh, take down city for sure. Marcin Tabor is going to, you know, pick him up, take him down whenever he wants. Or he might knock him out. I mean, yeah. Walt Harris has to be in your, in your underdog pool. He has. Yeah, to. no, no, I, I agree. I agree. But okay. Hold on. Hold on. Let's pull up Walt Harris. 13 and nine, Jason. Do you remember when he the wins? Per- when he wins, he wins by knockout. It's true. But do you remember the Verdum fight? Like every time he's on the mat, he just he looks he looks lost, man. And if Martin as, as I recall, he took the Verdum fight the day of the fight. I know he did, but still, like it's just like that was the biggest thing. That was the easiest fight for Verdum. But um I don't know. I, I just like Marcin Tabora. He's looked pretty damn good as of late. Solid camp behind him. 27 fights, 21 and six. Clear path to victory, but Walt Harris should be a part of your uh, you know, your underdog pool for sure. But I, I do like Marcin Tabora. Of course, we'll be here on Saturday for the live before lock, 3 p.m. Eastern time. So that is going to do it for this edition of the Awesome UFC Strategy Show. Of course, uh, on your way out, be sure to leave a thumbs up and keep it locked here to Awesome of course, tomorrow with all the NBA, MLB shows that we do have here. So good night, everybody. We will talk to you on Saturday for Live Before Lock. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.